Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi and welcome to the Snowcast. Uh, I'm your host DJ Walsh, co-host Owen Tab. Um, bada bada bing bang. <laughs> and we're joined tonight by uh, a couple of friends of ours. So I'm going to go around the table and introduce everyone. Going clockwise to my left is Owen Tab. Owen, what are you drinking tonight and what's your go-to drink when you're in a snog? <clears throat> so uh, uh, tonight I'm drinking White Gypsy Pale Ale, uh, full bodies. Sexy, foamy, frothy, bastard of a drink. Uh, so, uh, I don't know what I was normally drinking when I was snug. Uh, well, look, to be honest, I'm a typical Heineken man. Depends on the snug as well, you know, you have to feel the snug. Yeah, I agree. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a place you just go to and get a regular drink. It has to be. The drink has to fit the mood, like, you know? Yeah, 100%. Uh, so, uh, like, sure, like, I really enjoy a pint of plain, like. Who doesn't? And that leads me on to our next guest, Daryl Donahue. Dodd. Daryl Donahue, aka Dodd. Your first episode of the Stonecast. Pleasure to be here. Um, I disagree with Owen's point completely in the first time. Oh, he's going straight in, straight from the neck. Pint of plain man through and through. Nice creamy pint of Guinness. If you can go up to the bar, come back with a pint for two coins, it's all good in my books. Um, Doesn't matter the snug like. No. Fucking every no. snug. Well, a pint of plain fits any snug. That's so. true. Except a fucking abroad like. Oh, nothing worse than a stink pint of Guinness. Oh, Jesus. But my point that is, I've never got a good pint of Carlsberg in Ireland. Go to Copenhagen, it's lovely. And they have this um, pale ale in Copenhagen called Jakobsen Pale Ale. Nicest, possibly the nicest drink I've ever had, besides a pint of Beamish in Canlins and Cork, was a pint of Jakobsen in the, Carls- in the Carlsberg Brewery in Copenhagen. Fucking crisp out. Lovely. And also a uh, big shout out to uh, Jack Cody. Good <laughs> man, Jack. Fuck Wilson. He's no longer with us. Well, he's still alive, but he's no longer, <laughs> he's no longer brewing. Pour one out for a fuck. Next guest then is Dave Quinn, aka Big Dave Quinn. Hockey aficionado here in Watford. 
Dave, what are you drinking now and what's your go-to drink in the snow? Uh, tonight I have a bit of a mouthful for you. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, mouthful for you. It's the uh, Hell's Spital Lager. Delicious, crisp, tasty, just refreshing all round uh, pint. Uh I would have been I would have been an IPA man and I still am, but I just this summer for some reason I've gone back to just plain old refreshing crisp lager and I find it's hitting the hitting yeah. the spot. Can't um, it's a dry summer here in Ireland as well, so like that crispiness true. that you get from a good fresh cold lager is is, is hitting the spot this summer as well. And I will look forward to returning to the nice IPAs and the hoppiness in uh, in the winter and autumn months to come. So good autumnal drink. Uh, yeah, tonight I'm I'm drinking that and I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Lovely stuff, yeah. lovely stuff. So just um, to give you the setting, we're here in Phil Grimes Pub in Waterford, uh, or the home of the Snowcast, really, I suppose we'd call it. Um, <laughs> a, sh- a, sh- a shout out to White Gypsy. Um, I'm also on the White Gypsy. It's a, a, a lovely drink. We're big fans of it here in the Snowcast. It's, it, uh, as Owen mentioned there, Jack Cody, they used to produce Puck Pilsner. Um, they're no longer brewing. And uh, as a lovely drink. But we've replaced it with White Gypsy and we're more than happy with it. It's a lovely drink. Um, they have a variety of drinks, but we're on the, the Pale Ale here and Phil Grimes off the tap. And you can't go wrong with it. Now, Owen, I think you have a topic for us this evening. Topic of the show tonight that uh, I'm bringing here is uh, what is your most memorable sporting moment so uh, kind of sprung this on the guys just before we started so uh, maybe I'll start off cool man of many sporting accolades so the year is 2000 (laughs) (laughs) have you turned 10 yet (laughs) I think I've just turned 10. I think it's quite Is that a sport? Is that, is that a sport event? They let Anton the Olympics these days. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I was, uh, I, was on, I was on the bench for uh, Bally Gunner Harland team. Right. And uh, I. Uh, got the call up from the manager like I was fucking rubbish at Hurling right I'm pretty sure this was ground hurling as well right oh yeah yeah. right Around old school 10 like ground hurling right? did you have the wavin bosses or were the full hurls no full hurls full right. hurls you, you know why when I, when I tell you this story oh, Jesus so I uh, got the call up from the manager right and he goes you know do your little fucking warm up there like so now run down to the corner flag back up. He goes, uh, right, that's enough of fucking on, <laughs> on the pitch there. Sports science and the air. No dynamic stretching. So uh, anyway, I, <clears throat> I was uh, I think there was a, a throw ball in, right? So I was brought on for a man who was lining up for the throw ball. So I went in. Went in for throw ball. Ref goes, lads, you ready? Yeah, no hassle. So he throws the ball in. I fucking full on Tiger Woods golf swing, right? <laughs> right into your man's ankle to shatter this fucking Jeez. ankle. <laughs> Ten year old. And I was brought off straight away. <laughs> That's my most memorable sports moment there. Most memorable, yeah. I, I, I thought, like, 
you described a sports moment there. I was trying to think of sporting achievements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a moment, and anyway, shattering a poor ten-year-old's ankle. It's, it's no wonder you turn to the soccer. Yeah, yeah. A dangerous man with a stick. Yeah, more accolades now with the soccer and stuff, but uh, no, I don't think it'll beat that now. Going in, breaking oh, the lad's ankle. Pride of the parish. Yeah, pride of the parish. Straight off. Don't know if I even picked up a hurl again after. <coughs> That's a fantastic story. Thanks for sharing with the group no problem, and with the listeners. Hundreds and thousands of them. <laughs> so, um, we were here talking about great sport moments and currently leaving, leaning on a hockey stick that I'm not too familiar with. But a man that knows his way around the hockey stick, knows his way around the dance floor, is Big Dave Quinn. Dave, what is your most memorable sporting moment? Well, that, yeah, it's that's a difficult one. I have uh, I have many sporting uh, achievements it's difficult uh, to follow and, one story. and moments <laughs> that uh, I'd like to share with you. But uh, I broke an ankles yeah. uh, in friendlies. I remember uh, we have a, an annual old scholars match in, in my old school. I unfortunately shattered a girl's ankle. But, uh, a girl's ankle? Yeah, it's mixed. That's, that, that that's, was, why, that's why Hurling and Camogie doesn't mix. That, that wasn't a proud moment. But uh, when you were asking us earlier what was uh, our, what was our, all collectively our, our most sport, uh, best sporting achievement or moment, uh, the one that sprung to mind was um, a team that I played for in Dublin. It's called Pembroke Wanderers. And are they the Bolton Wanderers? They aren't, unfortunately. No. <laughs> uh, Just wanted to clarify. Bolton lad. Distant cousin. Um, and uh, Wickham's young fella. So in in uh, in, <laughs> <laughs> in hockey in Ireland, you have um, you have a, you have a well the cup competitions are split like nationally between uh, senior cup and junior cup. And, and this this my moment comes from the junior cup. Will be uh, kind of a junior side. You play teams from all over Ireland. It's it's uh, it's often said to be one of the most difficult cups to win in hockey in Ireland, and the oldest hockey competition in the world supposedly. Uh, legend so has it. Legend has it, and uh, that was uh, three years ago, and we had a great great competition. Beat all around us. Left, right, and center, up in Belfast, down in Cork, ended up at final in UCD, and uh, yeah, winning the Irish Junior Cup with Pembroke was probably one of my highlights, and uh, it will it will stick with me for for years to come. Not as uh, as memorable as breaking a lad's ankle at <laughs> age not, ten. Not, not as intimate as one story. <laughs> but uh, we shared good stories and good memories along the way. So uh, yeah, that's. Uh, that's that's one that I always hark back to and, and think of uh, fond fond memories. I suppose you drank many a Helschvita that night. Well, <laughs> actually, yeah. There's a. I remember the celebrations in the Pembroke Clubhouse that night. One, we used to do a, a thing where we go di- uh, bar diving after uh, victories. One, <laughs> uh, Sheko dived off the bar and we forgot to catch him, and he he landed, yeah he landed on the on the on the floor, dislocated his shoulder, and he still managed to make it out that night. So, fair play to him. Yeah. Fair play to him. Um, a different type of injury than the lads in Ballyragget felt last year. But <laughs> <laughs> fair play to him. Dodd, Kilnadima's pride and joy, as the songs and the tales tell us. What's your finest sporting moment or achievement? Played uh, a bit of underage, right, with the county and things like that. But I think the thing probably most proud of is college 
we had uh, went to college uh, in Dublin in Trinity, and we had a bite every every two years go over to Edinburgh College and play uh, a mixed mixed rules or the international rules match against the Shinty team over there. There's great memories there. First year, young fresh-faced lad, only up new, no one in the college said trip has gone on, and like forgot to sign up, went over. Did I know it'd be the biggest up in my life so far? I went over the match Friday. The match was on Saturday, Friday night, just out beering Saturday, all day beering, and going up up to Edinburgh College. Didn't know where we were going, up in the mountains, uh, playing a shinty match, and every single one of the 15 players that we had was inebriated. <laughs> playing, yeah, playing, playing the match. Uh, <laughs> felt slightly, slightly bad for the Edinburgh College parents who come out to see this hardly <laughs> spectacle that had been long touted. Long touted. Um, we had, I think we scored. We went total of two scores the entire match. The second half or the first half had to be drawn to a close early because we scored a goal and proceeded to sing twist and shout on the middle of the pitch. <laughs> 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 the, the, the referee could, could not get us back on the pitch, so we had to call up, call up ten minutes early. Uh, he was more of a monkey's man than a pitcher's <laughs> man that night. <laughs> Coming off at one stage, getting handed a can and a bottle of drinking that going back on. One of my good friends, Thomas Mitchell, over in San Fran at the moment. Shout out to all our overseas listeners. Going <laughs> <laughs> um, around, he, he decided um, he'd take on a managerial role, mainly because he was too pissed to find his boots or his helmet, and offering parents of um, the Edinburgh College players chocolate biscuits to try and accommodate for the sorry state of affairs that was unfolding in front of them. But yeah, I said, running around with the shinty pitch for a good 30 minutes, maybe connecting with one ball if I was lucky. May not be up there. The final scoring achievements was one that I remember for a long time. To come. Oh, I love it! I love it. What was the final score in that game? Uh, I think we stopped counting after the first five minutes, maybe. But I'd say I'm not quite sure how it scored. It's, it's it, not it, about it, the it, result or winning; it's about taking part. Participation is key. We lost in that respect. I think for the bus driver brought you up there. Oh God! No, those taxis right in fairness. Oh, taxis. Jeez, a lot of money in Trinity. No taxis got now in UCC. Back in our day. So Darren, we'll bring it full circle back to the main man. What's your most memorable sporting achievement? I suppose the great thing about sport is the sense of community and pride that it brings to people and it ties families together and ties families with families and it unites a whole community and mine is probably related to my family. I don't think it's a great moment, probably a shameful one, but my father comes from a family that's they're not bad at sport and um, I was far from the, the fool that I am now when I was younger I was quite the talent at hurling and football and my parents weren't the type of pushy parents that get involved with you when you're a young lad playing hurling my mother went to all the matches and watched quietly my father never went to a game um, simply because the grass had to be cut the shed had to be painted other jobs took precedence you know my father, he's the quintessential Irish man. Yeah. But we got into a league final under 14 when I was 13. So the year is 2003. Three years on from when to have shattered that lad's ankle. <laughs> the poor lad in Ballygunner has just learned to walk again. <laughs> he's finally over the brace. Three years of rehab later. <laughs> Three years later. Um, and I, I, we're playing uh, Middleton in a league final. Um, for some reason I was playing with the City Club Corks in Cork called Napier Sheik and we were put in the East Cork League that year don't ask me why um, 
makes no sense like putting Galway in the Leinster Championship and playing the final in Munster <laughs> <laughs> but look it worked out for Galway and it worked out for us in the end we won the match but my moment was we were playing Milton and my father worked in a unit in uh, Pfizer and pharmaceutical plant he's an engineer and the other three engineers on him all had sons playing on a Middleton team so the boys thought we'll all go down and watch this match together so I'm lining up against my father three mates and more their three sons at the time I was going well and first ball came in, got a score. Fucking, do you know when your father's there, you're conscious of it. You look up and delighted to see him clapping like in your, it's, it's actually in your head. But I'd be a bit of a hothead like on the pitch sometimes, not anymore. And I'm so really calm on the pitch now these days. But back when I was 13, I'd be a bit of a hothead. Probably puberty and women and stuff like that didn't help. But. So next ball came in. Bounces in front of me, hurl a match. I flick the ball over the fullback's head, turn him, and going inside, I'm rising the ball, just going through and goal. I'm about to bury it. And he strikes me with the hurl. Like absolutely cleans me. And I ain't fucking go down to the ground. But instead of like taking me free, taking me medicine, getting the ball put over the bar and continuing on the game, I get up and I wear the cunt. I absolutely wear him with the hurl. I mean you could hear his hip bone crack in Ballygunner when you went back to when that lad went back to Jesus that bad for lad never walked again after he heard the crack of this lad's hip so not only was it the f- f- like seven or eight minutes into the first time my father has ever seen me in any sporting spectacle the high wear of her off a lad break his hip and get sent off oh Jesus but he's standing next to the poor lad's father oh Jesus because he works with <laughs> Oh, Jesus. So it's not my finest sport at the moment, but it's definitely my most memorable one. I think um, after that, my father saw me play uh, inter-county a few times. I think he saw one club game. He saw my senior club debut when I was 17 after that, but that was the only other time he's ever seen me play sports. The only other time he's ever been interested. Me, me and my father are great pals and we're best of friends, but as far as sport goes, our mutual interest in sport ended that day. I needn't tell you what he called me when I got home. Um, I want to follow on that. That was a fantastic question. I really enjoyed the lads around the table's answers. Like we all come from different backgrounds, different parts of the country, and, and had different upbringings. And we, we all only met each other as adults. We all love sport, all variety of sports. I've never played hockey. I don't watch a lot of hockey, but I love talking to David about hockey. Dara comes from Galway. Kilnadima, Leitrim, man, true and true. Owen played a lot of soccer. Played to a reasonably high level, and I played hurling in Cork, and and, and now playing Kilkenny. I want to know is we all love attending live sport. Owen, we're fiends for the live soccer matches. Anytime we go to a conference anywhere, we managed to get three Premiership matches in one weekend out of one study day in London there recently. And um, what's the most memorable live sporting moment that you've seen? I'm going to go with you on first in that scene as we've experienced many live sporting moments together. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to answer your question <laughs> twice. I'm going to give two. Right from Kerry. I know, yeah. Uh, so probably right. Serious answer here. Yeah. Is uh, 2013 uh, Alex Ferguson's last season at United, the 20th uh, title for them. Uh, so they were playing Aston Villa at home in Old Trafford. I know you're going with this. Uh, went uh, went over with a few boys from college. Uh, in fairness, they fairness they invited me over. They had they'd organised with season tickets and stuff with other with uh, other people they knew from uh, supporters clubs and stuff. But anyway, we went over and 
and I was sitting near the corner flag, only about three or four rows away from the corner flag. So, I don't know if many people know, Robin Van Persie then had joined United at the time, uh, pretty much to just win a trophy, uh, win the Premier League. He wasn't doing that at Arsenal, was he? No, definitely not. So, uh, I, I can't even remember the other two scores. I think I think Van Persie scored twice. I can't remember. He definitely scored twice. He might have scored a hat-trick even. No, I, I don't think he scored a hat-trick, but... I know the game around, I think. By the way, uh, so anyway, it was the, anyway it was the game for for United to win the league. So obviously that's memorable in itself. Uh, so they go on to win three 0 but the goal to seal it really to put them three 0 up is uh, Rooney gets the ball at the halfway line on the opposite side to me. So it's kind of, he's kind of nearly over by the his right wing, isn't he? He's right wing exactly, right wing yeah. just just crossing the halfway line and he pings the ball like this floater of a pass over the defence that would have been directly in your eye line as well right where in my you eye were line now, kick, think, now that you're describing it kicking it right towards me so Van Persie's running up the middle he hits it over the defender Van Persie catches it on the volley left peg falling over his shoulder the ball over his shoulder left peg hits it top right hand corner and fucking just wins the league for United for a 20 yeah. like hands out I think greatest, like, one of, like one of United's greatest ever goals and I, like just being there to experience that life like look that's an amazing moment like I'm a Liverpool fan but it's a fantastic moment and what I'll say about Van Persie was like he, he was a good goal scorer but he was definitely one of them that's a score of great goals like there's so many like that header for Holland in the World Cup oh, stop. that um, was outrageous he scored a free kick one of his first goals at Arsenal I remember watching live was a free kick from the side of the box against Blackburn and he just whipped it round in the far corner it was an amazing technique to get that whip and bend like his left foot was magic like to be fair to him yeah. still is he's still playing like I suppose yeah. we should say still is that's a great one. What's your second one? Uh, second one then was uh, so I went over to uh, London for Paddy's Day there. Uh, twenty was it maybe it was twenty? Could have been twenty thirteen as well actually. Um, so uh, one of my mates from Waterford, Tommy Keary. Um, shout out to Tommy. Shout out to Tommy. Uh, and uh, Rody Keary's antiques. <laughs> big, <laughs> big shout out to them. Uh, Hashtag so, sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he uh, he was uh, so just just to give a little background on Tommy, he'd he'd fucking get himself into any situation, and he's he'd be friends with everyone. Like you know, you go to the races with him, and he knows like Harry the Brownhead yeah. or where, you know. He just we have a Tommy based podcast coming up oh, actually that we yeah. want to keep an ear out for. But uh, so Tommy's dad. Or him, I don't know, are friends with the chairperson of <laughs> the West Ham Supporters Club, like the UK West Ham support, like the actual official. The official supporters, supporters club, not like, not like what, like, not, yeah, not right. So uh, he gets he gets uh, three tickets off uh, off this guy. So we end we end up going out to the match. Me me Tommy and uh, uh, Stephen Coley and look going out to this match anyway this is up the park at this stage no this is Stamford Bridge Stamford Bridge yeah so oh, we're in the yes, away, yes, yeah. we're in the away end the West Ham away end for, for, for away this game days. away days right for uh, this Chelsea game so uh, 
we're going in, we'll take our seats, we're sitting beside the fucking chair fe- the chairman fella, right, of the supporters club. Said, oh, my, my, you know, all you fucking... <laughs> straight, straight in, straight in, oh, Pure so, cockney. So good. So, uh, anyway, we uh, we go out to sit down, and I was like, get the fuck up. You fucking stand for all this fucking game. All right, all right, all right fair enough, you know what we're doing, like, you know. So, uh, <laughs> this isn't our first away. Being all of your first away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, um, uh, so the game kicks off, right? So, uh, we're there, like, hands back, you know, fucking just enjoying the, enjoying the match. Like, next minute, like, Tommy, like, ribs me. He goes, Would you have a look around you there? I say, uh, Yeah, wait, what's, what's, what's the crack like? He goes, do you know what's anything about the supporters? I go, yeah, well, they're, like, they're singing the whole time, like, you know? He goes, yeah, but not a single one of them are watching the game. <laughs> so the entire West Ham away fans were facing left, right, into the Chelsea home fans part, right? And they're just singing, roaring abuse at them, right? There was two boys in front of us, uh, and they were looking over at the Chelsea fans, right? And they obviously knew... One of them, right? They were like, Oi, Jenny, you fucking can't get a fucking get, you fucking, your mum's a slag. All this, right? So this goes on for a bit. Then uh, John Terry didn't start and he uh, he goes he goes to warm up, so it goes to come on. So uh, in fairness, fair play to John Terry, right? He comes down right down to the, goes down to warm up right down at the way end. I think Chelsea were maybe... 2 nil up at mm. this stage. Bear in mind, John Terry started off in West Ham's academy and yeah. got pushed from Chelsea then. So, uh, yeah. But uh, so anyway, he comes down to he comes down to the to the corner flag and he starts uh, he starts warming up like you know, and in fr- he he starts doing these like toe touches, right? And like his arse just like straight up to the West Ham away fans, right? So that's the fucking end of it now, right? <laughs> <laughs> the right end of it. <laughs> so everyone gets fucking their coins from the pocket <laughs> and starts fucking them, absolutely pelting them down at John Terry, right? So Terry then fucking goes and gets the money and starts putting it in his sock. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, it was absolutely like, quality. Like. I don't. I, I absolutely despise John Terry's human being, but that's a fair good story. Oh, so good. That is brilliant. <laughs> Hard to follow that one up, lads. Yeah, Jesus. Hard to follow that one up. Dodd, have you answered for us? Favorite live sporting moment, and you can't be a typical Galway person. Galway heard a man now and say, when when they lifted Dahi Buck lifted the Liam McCarthy Cup last year. I would believe I was actually, I was away, I was abroad for that. The, the, only, other, the only other I'm trying to miss in the list. You were emailing me. Went to 2001, <laughs> 2005, 2012, 2015, 2018, 2016. No, 2015, 2018. Lost every single one that I went to. One time I was away. Missed that one, so I can't even claim to be at that. I was watching at 7 o'clock in the morning in San Francisco, trying to drink a bottle of beer before going out and playing a hurling match later. That's another story. Common yeah. team riding here, Dad. Yeah, getting death threats and all, like the Mayo Priest and all this stage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
greatest. I've been to, I've, as, as Darren says, I know I've had a wide range of um, interest in sports. Played hurling, rugby, soccer, Gaelic football as well, growing up. Um, so it was one of the best matches I've actually ever been to. It was a soccer match, one of the, one of the lads is a um, big Newcastle fan, so it was his 21st birthday, we said we'd all chip off, go over to Newcastle, some city right now, we don't know what we were expecting, a bunch of very fresh-faced, young, naive, young Galway lads going into the big city, well, big city. But I um, went over, Newcastle playing Norwich, uh, I think Newcastle, don't think they're doing too great that year, um, we said just we go to the match anyway, tip in. What happened? Six one match. So Gigi Wijnaldum with a hat trick. Then as well. He scored four that day. It was four even right. Yeah. Um, good Liverpool player. Most great Liverpool these days. Um, yeah, just you're in, in the Newcastle corner, right beside all the Norwich fans. Just the chant and the singing, just constant abuse to all the red Norwich fans. Yeah. So it was something that will stick with me. I've very few other matches now. A few will be challenge matches and things like that now, but nothing that can live up to Mr. Tab. Yeah, but even, even at that, it's funny that both of you uh, reference uh, being near away fans or in amongst away fans and that kind of taunting each other. It doesn't happen in GA at all. Like, you're completely mixed. Like, you buy a ticket for a terrace, you're all mixed in together, whereas actually, like, when you get a soccer match, they, you're, you're intentionally segregated because of, like, obviously, the 1980s were a bleak time and, and nobody wants to relive those days where, like, unfortunately, people lost their lives going to see a fucking game of football. However, like, what you get now is you get this, like, um, mass group of people taunting each other, singing. And sometimes it goes all lying, but, like, some of the chants are absolutely brilliant. But it's just funny that a common team is, like, the chants of the way fans and stuff like that, and a bit of crack. That has to be had, like, doesn't it? Um, Big Dave Queen, you're up next. Give yeah, us one Jesus, of your favourite uh, That's a tough moments. one. I'm actually going to reference a football match as well, and it's strange that... The, the three stories that have already been said uh, are are football related. Um, this this uh, this story my my memory harks back to October two thousand fifteen, where Ireland beat Germany in the European uh, qualifiers in uh, the Aviva, and uh, it was a friend of mine that I met a couple of years ago uh, when I was living in Vancouver. I played hockey with him over there. Johannes Stuban. Shout out to shout out to our uh, international listeners. <laughs> uh, Johannes is uh, he is a particular character. He makes uh, Stuban saddles. We hashtag uh, potential sponsorship. <laughs> um, and uh, I've been meaning to to to, to visit him in uh, in Germany for a good few years. He's uh, he's been over to me once or twice now. I need to reciprocate the uh, the uh, the visit. But um. Yeah, he came over to visit us in Dublin and uh, <clears throat> for the Germany match, and he's a fucking cocky bastard. He was over, he arrived in a big German white jersey on him. He's like, "We're gonna, how much are we gonna beat you by today?" And blah blah blah. So, so I had a wine and dine him before the game, and uh, <clears throat> a few pints were had down in a uh, Berger's Bush, and we went up to the Aviva, and uh, the game started and. We rocked, we rocked into our seats for the anthems and you know emotions were flying high and the banter has been had between all of us and um and the game started and Germany were all over us and uh anyway Shane Long was a champion of the of that game that game with that fucking cracker of a goal and I will still remember to 
forever, I think, and it just rocked the stadium. Like I've never been uh, at a live sporting event where there was such a collective feeling of joy, jubilation, just a feeling of belonging to like this greater, this this kind of almost like higher thing where whatever the capacity of evil was, 54, is it, or something like that, and just everyone on the same level and, uh, and joy and knowing what that goal meant, beating, like, the world champions at home, like, it was just probably one of the best things I've ever experienced. What a goal as well, like, oh. it was, it, like, serious, what was it, like, Darren Randolph kick, or yeah. kick, out, uh, kick out, like, and just over the, the shoulder, over, shoulder. over the shoulder, and, like, and it, top left corner. And it's such a fucking callback to, like, classic 90s, like, Mick McCarthy. Jack Charlton. Jack Charlton, like, fucking yeah. route one, that's absolutely yeah. horse it up the pitch, like, but, like, he, does he, 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 like, takes it on his knee, doesn't he? I think it, like the ball drops ball, over the, the, ball, the ball drops over his shoulder, but I think as he's running, I think he kind of pops down off his knee, controls it on con the knee, con controls it like as in the ball is like bouncing off the ground, bounces back up onto his knee and back onto the ground, and he fucking smashes it. He broke the back of the net that night, yes. and um, like uh, yeah, I've, as you said, Dad, like I've been to. Oh, test matches and in, in rugby, uh, you know, like hockey matches, GAA matches. But that that moment where it was just kind of a, it was just it was such a solid memory. And thanks, uh, Aaron. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was one to remember. Is this your guy here? The spittle. Yeah, the spittle. Don't go. It's a sniff. Yeah, go on, have a little taste. So. Uh, Sorry guys, I missed that. I was up ordering around the drinks, as tends okay. to happen when you record a podcast in the snug. So I hope David entertained you guys there. Yeah, just saying it was the the uh, press conference. European. That's different topic. Yeah. Different topic. That's a different podcast. That's definitely explicit, isn't it? <laughs> it was the. Uh, it was the Six Nations. The uh, European Championships where Ireland beat Germany mm. in October oh. 2015 at home. Yeah, the qualifiers. Oh, it was fantastic. That was one of the great Irish sport moments because they were world champions at the time. Yeah, and I was lucky to shove it in two face, uh, face of a, a German mate of mine who came over looking for the victory. And uh, we, we rocked out of the stadium yeah. on a high. Oh, yeah. Oliver Kahn. Oh, Ali yeah. Kahn. Stefan Effenberg, one of the best names. That, like, I just remember thinking that's one of the best names ever. And Ollie Bierhoff could hit her a ball <laughs> in from anywhere. Like, he'd defend the corner and hit it in top corner down the rain. Like, um, and the Klinsman slide. Like, who didn't do the Klinsman slide when you were a fucking young lad? Um, I, I'm lucky. I've been to a lot of um, big sporting occasions. Been to an awful lot of All-Ireland Hurler Finals. But... Do you know when you see something and you just don't believe what you've seen? Like, you're literally like, what the fuck has just happened there? Um, I've had a couple of them moments. Um, I was lucky enough to see Phil Coutinho's last goal for Liverpool, where, like, it's against Swansea, he's 30 yards out, takes a touch and just whips it 
somehow in the top corner. Like the physics on the ball that he hits is amazing. Um, I was also at that game, Liverpool and Watford, where Salas was the four goals, including the one where seven lads were trying to tackle him at one stage and he just rolls it in the corner. And I'm in the stadium thinking he's about to get tackled and all of a sudden the net is bulging because you just have no concept of how that happened. I, ha- I really had to watch match today twice to understand how he put that ball in the goal. Like, no idea. But possibly the best thing I've ever seen live. And Dodge, you would fucking love this because it's a Galway hurling moment. He sat up, lads. He's on the edge of his seat. Um, I had him. I was lucky. I was at the All Ireland hurling semi final last year between Galway and Tipperary. And um, no, I know what you're all thinking, but it's not Big Joe's point at the end. Um, basically, uh, a good friend of Neve, my girlfriend's, um, her fiance was managing the Kilkenny Miners at the time. They were in the All Ireland semi final as well. Hold on, your girlfriend Neve's fiance. Her friend's fiance. Oh, friend, alright. Sorry, I'll clarify that. Uh, my bit in the side's fiance. <laughs> I'm the bit in the side, mate. I don't know. Uh, shout out to Neve. Shout out to Neve. Yeah. Shout out to Clet Scully. <laughs> anyway, two fine looking nurses. Uh, but basically, her, uh, Clet's fiance, a guy called Declan Wall, shout out to Declan, from Old Nevat, was over to Kilkenny Minor, a hurling team. So, uh, Colette was going up to the match and me and Eve were going Colette so we had really good seats we were sitting by the benches um, about 10 rows back I'd say we were fairly close to the action and it's funny I was back at both All Ireland semi-finals last year uh, Galway and Tipperary which is a real intense physical game and then I was at Cork and Watford which is very much a tactical game and I was sitting high up in the Hogan stand for that I had a great view of the tactics so I almost felt like I got the best of both if I'd been close to the Cork Watford match I probably would have missed a lot of the shape of the teams and stuff if I was high up in the Galway tip, I probably wouldn't have experienced what I experienced. But I'd say I was about 12 feet away from this happening. And Hurling's a very physical sport. Um, there are big collisions. You know exactly what I'm going to say. But at one stage in the first half, and Galway started on fire. But Tipperary being like, the, the with the forwards they have, were staying in it. But similar to this year's All-Ireland final, where Limerick physically imposed themselves in the game, even though they were smaller men. At one stage, Parik Maher, for any overseas listeners that thought reference earlier, hurling is, is an Irish sport, you have to look it up. Um, but when you're looking it up, look up this hit. Um, there's this guy, Parik Maher, plays at Tipperary, big animal of a man, fantastic hurler. And Parik Maher comes out for the ball at one stage, but he's met by Garov McInerney with his shoulder. The thud, it put hairs up on the back of my neck. The slap, I've never heard a collision like I, I've seen car crashes in the flesh and it was actually a similar kind of noise like, that just took do you know that impact where literally it literally made everyone jump and in, in my vicinity jump off their seat just in, a dead in, in a kind of do you know like you just pop up like oh my god like he floored him McInerney absolutely floored him that set the tempo for Galway that day that that, that was it like they weren't going to be beaten Horrick Maher was the fella that flattened that. No more. McInerney put him on his hole. And it just drove Galway on. And I think in that second half, McInerney caught a heap of ball. Like, it was the be- one of the best in the back performances I've ever seen. But fuck me, like, 10 minutes into that game when he met Horrick Maher. And you know what that does? Like, the psychology of sports amazing. All of a sudden, the Tipperary lads that they, they weren't hurling well, but were still putting the ball over the bar. They see the guy that's their physical imposter and backline get put in his hole. 
all of a sudden it's a different challenge and they see Galway in a different light. The same thing this year against Limerick when McDermott himself got put in his got hole. Got put in his hole, yeah. Flanagan and, and Flanagan's not the biggest of man. Yeah. He's tall, but he's you look more at him, he's not. Yeah, exactly. Um, that even speaks more volumes, doesn't it? Like, yeah, being able to it's all about. Knock Goliath, like you know. And I think that, like, an, an awful lot of um, like these collisions and sports and stuff, right? You need to be f- strong. You need to be physically good. But you can have all the strength in the world if you don't have the mental application to impose that strength. You're weaker than you. Like it actually weakens you not having that. Me- like Galway, I thought were a bit complacent this year. And then Limerick came out and whatever. Limerick had nothing to lose. If Limerick got bet by 12 points, sure, they were never meant to make an All-Ireland final anyway. Yeah. It was Galway's to lose, and by fuck, Limerick lost it for them. Sure, that was the same Watford, Kilkenny in 2008. Yeah. Like, yeah. that final, like, Watford weren't at the races at all. Like, they just didn't show up on the day at all. And, and like, I don't know, there, there obviously was, just wasn't the winning mind frame or winning mentality there at the time. Like, you know, as in... Like the boys last year thought they were going to win. Like, yeah, it's it's funny that that Waterford team were fierce so lucky because they, they did literally come up against the best team it's ever been and possibly ever will be. Like obviously we haven't seen that Cork team from the forties that won eight out of nine All Irelands, mm. or no, they won seven out of eight. Sorry, that Jack Lynch was on and and, and Chris Ring. But I mean, Hurling's so competitive that now these days and there's so many people and it's such a fast game that that click anything was amazing I think even that Limerick match that they won where Henry flicks the ball over the lad's head and, and they get the two goals in the first few minutes and the target Seamus um, they put um, Seamus Hickey they put Eddie Brennan on him and tell Eddie to run at him and, and they get two goals out of that like that's just smart tactical play but people have the assumption that Limerick got hammered that day if you actually look at it click any go 2-2 to a point up I think if I'm not mistaken so there's seven points in the lead they win the all- that order in the final by six points. Limerick actually win the rest of the game by a point. But the perception, I thought you just shook your head there like in disbelief. Like, you know, in, in my head, Kilkenny hammered Limerick that day. Yeah. But they actually didn't. It was just they blitzed them early on and yeah. got the win. And I think, like, Waterford that day... The thing with that Waterford team is, that Waterford team went through such a journey together. Six years earlier, they won the first Munster final for 30 years or something mm. mental like that. Like big emo- and Waterford is such an emotional county when it comes to sport. Like, you know, they're so proud of their, their sporting heroes. And then they won that Munster Championship and then it took them six years to get to the All Ireland final and I think the occasion probably got to them that much. They weren't that bad a team and the scoreline reflected poorly on the talents that they had. It's just funny to say that psychology of sport, I think they overthought it, over analyzed it, overhyped it. I think that team as well weren't as much of a team as they were a collection of very good players yeah. like very individual good players like oh 100% you know like you, you have absolute like you have like the names there mm. like, you know um, but like I don't know I don't I think the team that was there saying last year's final like I'd say I went to school, mm. school with eight lads yeah. those lads won the Harty and Crow Cups like, so you I know, played so against them yeah it was fucking so they, they were savage they're a winning team already mm. like you know and it was funny I, I played inter-county for Cork against those Waterford teams growing up and the, the inter-county team actually wasn't that good we used to beat them all the time mm. yet they came through and we didn't I think as well when you look at that like that was that's a collective group mentality that Waterford team were referencing in 2009 2008 sorry like I don't know they could be the best of pals in the world off the pitch but if you ask me, looking at it on, uh, from my memories at the time, I couldn't see Dan Shanahan and Owen Kelly going for a point together. No. Do you know, they were almost in competition with each other. Whereas, you know for a fact 
that say Ben O'Connor from Cork gets on really well with uh, Timmy McCarthy say or someone like that um, who couldn't get on with Timmy McCarthy if it smokes 40 a day and wears that bucket <laughs> helmet do you know what I mean I know you're a big fan of the bucket helmets um, but you know you can tell like um, you, you can tell that you know the, ma- the Mannions are sound with the the, yeah, the Coonies and all that kind of stuff there's, there's that cohesion in Galway now that there wasn't there when say Ollie Cannon was hurling they used to kill each other yeah. and like you know Joe was 17 and he got the ship ahead of him in the county final I don't think it happened in Galway now because they have more respect for each other and stuff. Whereas, like, in Kilkenny, it's savage at club level. But in the inter-county setup, they all respect each other and, and, and like, they, they tear strips out of each other, but it's, there's such a respect there, a healthy respect. That's what drove those teams on. That's sports psychology. I don't know, David, how, how it's like in hockey in terms uh, of... No, like any team sport, the psychology is going to be the exact same, I suppose. It's the fact that if you're... If you want to go for a pint with a lad that's on your team, if you, it's it's with that team bonding and and, and that uh, that's something that was really instilled in us in my club last year in, in Pembroke Wanderers and it was about uh, Wickham's lad. What's that? Wickham's lad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we made a big we made a big effort to meet up as a team at least once or twice a month uh, collectively on a social occasion outside of training, outside the clubhouse. We go for dinner with each other. We'd like. We do an activity together, and like that, that um, on that like kind of platonic level of, of bonding, like yeah. it, it makes you a stronger unit uh, together on the field. That you know, I've shared a, a great. Sto- I don't know on the, on this level, I shared a great story. I shared a great few points with, say, you on top. Like I'm gonna fucking bounce past you the the ball more than I'm gonna. You know, yeah. like it it's it's a strange thing. Like and it's it's hard to quantify or justify what level or how that uh, ups your performance level but it well, obviously it obviously fucking has a huge impact on team performance like but I think it's a, it's, a cum, it's a cumulative thing if you ask me in terms of if, if we all get on which we obviously do we're having a few points together but say if we were all playing on the same team and we're socialising together and I see Dodd applying himself in training then yeah. I'm going to say fuck it I need to apply myself too because I don't want to let yeah. me mate down whereas if I think Dodd's a prick I'm saying, oh, look at that for now. Like, Brown knows and the manager is now going hard at it in the sprints. Whereas, like, if you're mates with him, you're, you, you, you know what, you're actually inclined to go along with him. Try to actually, emulate as opposed exactly, to... Exactly, and, and you drive yeah. each other on. Whereas, yeah. actually, if you don't get on, there's that snide, there's that begrudgery. That, and, and, and it's a very Irish thing, I'd say. I, I can't imagine there's much begrudgery in German sport. I can't imagine there's much begrudgery... In, in Spanish sport, mate. English, definitely. You know, in English there is, but then again, we're, we're not that dissimilar to no. the English, even though we pretend that we are, but we're, we're actually not. Um, I suppose just to round, round it off, um, a really, really good chat there. Um, and it was very sport, sports focused, but I just think, like, say, say um, I suppose a point to finish on, like, Dave, we had lunch there together about two weeks ago in, in Arkin stores, we had an old chat together. Delicious hashtag Arkeen. Always, yeah. Looking yeah, for a bit of sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're, you're in the loop. Don't worry, leave with me. Yeah, uh, if Dave's family can help us out. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's mum, if you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's mum, sponsor us with apple tarts, please. Um, so I, I, I think we had a really, like, we actually had a fascinating conversation a few weeks ago about coaching and sport. Yeah. Really enjoyed that, where like, Come from a hurling background, you're coming from a hockey background. Two completely different sports, different, um, completely different rules, different different skill levels. Some similarities, yet the fundamentals of sport are, you know, work rate, positional sense, tactical sense, and, and a bit of intelligence. And then the skill you either have it or you don't. But that was really interesting. I think the psychology sport is something that 
you know, there's an awful lot more in it these days. I think they've gone too far now where you're like, you know, you have some team you have some teams that are like you can't go for points, you can't socialise, but you need to be in each other's pockets. Whereas you look now like Ireland won a Grand Slam recently, Six Nations. All those lads have a bottle of beer in their hands afterwards, after every game. After every, every game. game. Yeah. They'd have and a game in six days, but they're there having a few bottles together after the game. And they're going out with the opposing team that yeah. night, like, you know, like, win or lose. Respect, like, you know, yeah. that's, that's a lovely, lovely uh, environment to create for sport, isn't and it? And, like, even, like, say, on, like, on our amateur level, like, all four of us were play tag rugby together right yeah and shout out to the <laughs> yeah Alele Bla shout out to the UHW Lebla tag rugby team uh, but even like, the pricks even, <laughs> even to bring it back there to your previous point of like you know as in you you work better when you socialise together and stuff like as in like we won the our league say this year in, in tag rugby and like like we were renowned around there for being the last in the bar, we had a few bottles before each game. Hydration. <laughs> the blabby, the blabby cue. We used to share, we share each other's jeans, beds, everything, right? Oh, sure, look. But like, I don't know. I think, I think that, I think that definitely like it galvanizes you. Yeah, and like it, like as you were saying, like you know, as in like we were. Pulling off like ridiculous moves in mm. in in the middle of of those games, and like I'd say like eighty percent of the time, like those moves were coming off, and we were tearing through defenses. Like, and it's really like that that gel that yeah. we had between one another. Like, you know, as in you're definitely more in tune to someone that you connect with socially, that you know beyond even in a work environment yeah. like myself and Owen worked together we went to college together we worked together now um, Dodd worked with us and we socialised together and I, I feel like you have that rapport you, you almost that that professionalism that is important but that boundary is broken that fourth wall is broken and then like when an issue arises it's dealt with in, in, in a respectful manner but in a manner that's like um that, that just resolves everything that happens on the sporting field that happens in the working that happens in all walks of life if you get on with someone you work well together if you don't get on with someone you're not going to work well together but part of that is getting to know each other outside of those environments be it on the sport like like I, I train hurling with lads I probably have never had a conversation with off the training field yeah. yet this year and our hurling team are making a more concerted effort to know each other better and we're actually performing so much better than we did last year can I can I just butt in there and uh, I'm gonna Both make a, made yeah, a make a hockey hockey uh, yeah. uh, reference again, and I'm gonna reference the the success of the Irish national women's team in the in the World Cup just gone there this I'm summer here. in uh, in London, and that's a team that uh, that went into a competition with minimal funding. I think they had the the world the Olympic champions in their group, which had whatever it was it like some incredible like uh, seven million sterling funding per annum per the team, and the Irish hockey team had two hundred thousand uh, euros to to deal with to to progress their program, and they ended up topping their group. But I know some of the girls on that team, and oh well, well, well at a, at a, at a <laughs> At a professional level, a uh, good mate of mine, Ali Meek, I uh, coached with her last year, and uh, I got I got to know her very well, and, and we, we shared great conversations and great coaching 
tips together. But Can one, I just one, say, if, if Ali wants to come on for a snowcast, she's more than welcome. We'll get her down here. I, I her down. She, she'd be she she'd love to partake. She's great crack. But basically, what uh, what the the thing was that that team, albeit they weren't as uh, technical. Like, I don't know whether they'd appreciate me saying this. Like technically, they weren't as good as many of the other teams there in the competition. But what they what they had was work rate, belief, uh, and 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 a, a work rate to work for one another. And, yeah. and that comes down, and that boils down to, I think, friendship on the field and friendship off the field. They knew each other intimately, mm-hmm. uh, and they spent so much time team bonding. They worked with the defense forces they they went on yeah. weekends away to the Curra. they they did they they explored all that that other side of like sports psychology and in the end it showed we we won a silver medal in a in a world cup and probably one of the one of the only irish teams yeah. ever progressed that that far in any team sport environment when so. do you ever hear of an irish team making a world cup yeah. final you know you don't and and i think um, i actually heard an interview with uh Two of the girls, I, I don't know their names and forgive my ignorance, but I heard an interview with two of the girls who played in that team that were um, playing in the Netherlands. Um, uh, Chloe Watkins and um, I can't remember the other. Yeah. For, forgive me now, forgive my ignorance and sorry girls if you're listening, show sure you are. <laughs> but I, I heard an interview with them where they said, like, you know, when they went to the Netherlands, um, at the start it was tough but they had each other and it actually brought them even closer together and you'd think that living and training together would actually you'd be keen to get away from each other a bit and get a bit of space but it actually brought them closer together and um oh that's that's massive important we, we all know like john you go to america for summer play play a bit of hurling you want to be around the lads the whole time because you actually end up having so much crack when you um get to know each other and you know, like at the moment now, we're in the height of hurling season for the clubs at the moment, the way the new structure is. Like, training, you're going up there, you're keen to go, you're keen to get involved. Like, we've trained tomorrow night, I can't fucking wait to get up there and tear the skin off a few lads. Um, and then me as well. And then we'll be best buds afterwards, like, you know. Um, so, like, I think that aspect of sport is fascinating. Um, like, Dara, you, you've probably been involved with that. Uh, Dara, yourself and Dave have, have been involved in a very high level sport like Dave, Dave you're, you're not far off international standard I hear at times in hockey um, and Dara you've played under 21 inter-county you've been involved in senior training panels and stuff like that and it's just it's a daunting environment to come into but at the same time too it's um, it's an environment that you know certain people thrive in like what was your experience Dara in, in, in all of a sudden being immersed with the Galway Senior Hurling Panel when you first went in there as a 20-21 year old well so I think I was actually I was 19 just straight out of minor I'd um, a good year of minor as we lost uh, actually lost the water at the minor final 2013 and yeah getting brought into the senior panel then after that now it's a big, big step up step up now for myself personally to really know what I was going into but the thing uh, that, that you'd find like most of any group anywhere you go few some people sort of take you in take you under the wing I remember Shane Kavanagh we had a stalwart for going harder for years you now just sort of just go and change you just the small things like for more and other lads as well just sort of bring it in I remember first thing being called the first lad to call, to call me dad like the nickname from home that I had from years from school and everything everyone, everyone else to call me dad but once dad sort of caught on then just sort of mixing with the lads then sort of knowing that you'd made it then at that stage and then you're able to as let's say, like once you know, once you know people on a personal level, then you're more likely to to do more for them, and they're more likely to do more for you when it goes into hurling. Like so, I think yeah, you can never overlook that aspect of sport. Also, with more the camaraderie, you try and bring back then.
but even would you say those lads calling you Dodd, mm. do you know, all of a sudden you felt at home there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You you felt like you belonged there, so then you applied yourself. Not that you weren't trying hard before, yeah, but it. you feel, now I belong here, so I can fucking carry myself. I can do what I do it's naturally. It's a belief. And, stuff. and you know, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's amazing what, uh, what, yeah, it relaxes everything, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the, as though you're going in there, start, you think you're making up the numbers, then you're like, nah, fuck it, like I'm, I'm one, I'm buying into this now, and... It's gonna go and give them. Well, you know, it's even like if, uh, if people start giving out to you and stuff, right? Uh, do you know if someone says to you like, uh, you know, Dari, you could be trying harder now, like with this drill or whatever, like you know. But then if they go, I dodge your bollocks, yeah. <laughs> you know, come yeah, on, yeah, you know, hurry up there, yeah, yeah, come on, the fuck or whatever, yeah. like you know, as in, that just relaxes everything completely, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, and you're actually more willing to respond to that, and you get less. Uh, nervous or you get you know less it, it, it's less in your own head about what like you know what what I'm going to do in this situation you just yeah. fucking get on with it then because you know the boys and they're all going to help you out like there's a reason why when my girlfriend's happy with me she calls me DJ or DJ and when she's not happy with me she calls Darren Joseph what <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell I think look lads thanks a million for joining us tonight it's been a fantastic oh, yeah. um, a fantastic old episode any parting gifts for the listeners like, follow, subscribe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, follow, subscribe. Um, pass on the word to your friends. Thanks a million again to uh, Orrin Tab, my co-host. Daryl Donahue, Killing the Demons, Joy and Pride, a.k.a. Dodd. Big Dave Quinn. Fucking Waterford Hockey's Joy and Pride. Ivan DJ Walsh. And this has been another episode of The Snowcast. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.